laying there on your chest. Yeah, so cool. I love it. Uh, tonight, uh, I want to just share some things with us in regards to Brian Regan theology. Some of you know who uh, Brian Regan is. Brian Regan's a comedian, and we're going to look at something here in just a little bit that will help kind of set the stage for us. But there is uh, there's something I like what Jen talked about, uh, you know, just in regards to putting stuff aside, letting things fall away from us in order to be able to move forward. The children of Israel, that was a lot of what God was doing in the wilderness is helping them um, to break off of these things that were holding them back from stepping into his promises. I'm not necessarily talking about that new Cadillac or you know anything like that. What we're talking about is God himself. Remember Moses, he made this statement. He's telling God, God said, hey, I'm, I'm fed up with these people and uh, I'm done with them. Go ahead and you lead them in. This angel's going to lead you in. And Moses, what was his response? God, I'm, yeah, they're, they're your people. No, he said, I'm not going anywhere unless you lead us. Unless you're there, I'm not going anywhere. Because the promise, um, the promiser is more important than the promise. Amen? Amen. That's so wonderful. I just realized somebody here, a couple of special guests, but uh, Pastor Jim Hammond, I, you told me you were coming and I didn't even see that you were here. Wow. Grandpa, it's good to see you. And then uh, next to him from back east, uh, newly planted in Racine, Wisconsin, I understand. Is that right? Is uh, Ken Nevesky. And uh, great to see you. <laughs> Ken is back there working. Uh, that's where uh, Grandpa Hammond got his start pastoring, was back in Racine, Wisconsin, um, 133 years ago now or something like that. <laughs> 135. I knew it was pretty close. Oh, wonderful to have you. And I'm sure your wives are at home hanging out and uh, getting some good time together. Wonderful. Isn't it great? Yeah, it takes you back to the AG days, doesn't it? With the pews and everything. Yeah, it's wonderful. Well, just in case you wondered, maybe if I'm having marital problems right now, um, why isn't Lisa here? Uh, She is actually... Uh, our kids go to Cedar Park Christian, and they have their big auction. And she is doing, of all things, the dessert dash. <laughs> at their big auction at the Maidenbauer Center. So she's heading up that whole thing. That was one of the things we kind of promised we would never do again. And uh, in order to get involved, here we are. And they went. In, she went into the auction planning meeting. And they said, you know what? I think you'd be really good at the dessert dash. And she said, really? You'd never guess. <laughs> yeah, so that's what's happening. Um, I, I got to say as well uh, that we love hearing about things that our community and families involved in. If you're involved in certain things and, you know, your kids are doing stuff in sports and student government, whatever it is, we love to hear about those things. If it's Lauren, you know, if Jason's over there catching record fish, we want to know about it. Uh, so that we can pass, pass it around to the rest of the family. Yeah, should I tell you about Madison then? Yeah, that was a nice little segue, wasn't it? A little lead-in. So Madison, uh, some of you know, she's at Cedar Park. 
and she's playing JV volleyball, and she got swung up to the varsity uh, for districts right at the end of the season. And uh, they really started working with her and training her, helping her so that she could contribute to the team. And they're over at the Sun Dome in Yakima right now for the state tournament. And uh, they just beat Bellevue Christian for third place in state. So, <clears throat> they, uh, they lost a barn burner in, uh, in five games to Kings Garden uh, in the semifinals. Otherwise, they would have been in the finals. But uh, anyway, third place is pretty good. And uh, they're doing, they're doing, I'm sure they're super excited about that. All right, Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for your life uh, that you've given us. Thank you for this family. And thank you for all of those faces that we yet don't know and we don't see at this point in time that are going to be added to uh, your family as a result of your love flowing through this group of people. Amen. Amen. Uh, there is, um, when, when, uh, since growing up, I, I'd like to think that I've gained a little bit of wisdom, a little bit of discernment in, uh, certain areas. You know, when you're young, those things don't come batteries included. You don't get that opportunity. I, I remember one particular situation. This is so vivid in my mind still, and it has to do with, uh, kind of jumping in the deep end when I shouldn't have. And uh, we, were, we were playing, uh, I was playing, my sister and I, and there was a hot tub, but I was only probably two or three years old. And, you know, I saw the adults in there, and they were above water. And I thought, you know what, I can jump into the deep end as well. And so I, I remember jumping in, and I just remember bubbles and white and stuff everywhere all around me. But um, I was not doing well in terms of getting to the top. And I just remember all of a sudden feeling an arm, you know, pull me up after a little bit of struggling. And here was my dad, uh, you know, rescuing me from this situation. And so a lot of times that, that made me a little gun shy from then on out. Anybody have a similar experience of kind of jumping in the deep end like that? And so it can make us a little bit gun shy when it doesn't turn out the way we think it's going to. And this, um, this can make us avoid certain things. Fear can kind of set in and, and we start, you know, uh, not wanting to go near those types of things anymore. And this, this reference of jumping in and really um, risking toward God is part of what the Lord is calling us to as a people. And um, that we wouldn't shy away from certain things that have been difficult in the past and letting some of those things go by the wayside. This jumping in means going deeper in relationships. We've spent over a month talking about the power of relationships, the need for relationships, the need for community and family together, not settling for what always has been. Think about the relationships that are represented right here and ones that maybe are coming to mind outside, but the need to go deeper in those relationships. We can experience some very difficult things um, relationally because, you know, we, we've got to 
put up with those things and, and work through things together. Even when it's been difficult, there's been wrong precedent, wrong foundations that have been started. It's taking action, rejecting passivity. We're going to make some application, but I just wanted to lay some foundation right there. In, in relationships, um, I've noticed a lot now that our kids are in such a big pool at school. Uh, they, what I mean by that in terms of there's, you know, they came from a school of, a, you know, a little over 100 K through 12, I think it was, something like that. And now they're well over 1,000. And the types of, you know, people that they encounter in their experience is, is very, very different. And it's been great because as we've been getting feedback from our kids and from teachers, different things that have been coming up, it's given us as parents great opportunity to parent, to do just that. And rather than seeing those things as fearful things, God has really given us faith to see those as opportunities uh, to teach and to grow and to learn how to navigate some of these things. And in the area of relationships, well, first of all, there's, there's three areas that um, we need to really be able to jump into the deep end regardless of what we've maybe experienced in the past. And that is um, one, with God, first and foremost. And two, our relationships. And three, the world. And I, I want to touch on two of these tonight, the relationships and the world. And uh, under this heading of relationships, um, the friendships that we have, you know, young people that are in school and different things or work-related uh, relationships, this, the conversation. I've been challenging my kids to talk about real stuff, stuff that really matters, we joke around in my family about the Beavis and Butthead conversations. You know, it's like, hey, what do you think about that? <laughs> you know, and it's like, where's the depth? You know, the relationships can tend to just, you know, play in the shallow end rather than going deep with one another. Behavior, you know, in friendship, the emphasis a lot of times, especially in a Facebook world, is about how many friends you can accumulate. We've lost sight of what it means to actually be a friend to other people. And so we shine on people with this virtual view of ourself. And, you know, everything's going good and, and uh, everything's, you know, all right. And we kind of can tend to stay behind this plastic thing rather than, again, going into the deep end of friendships with one another trying to add as many followers as we can on Instagram, get as many likes as we can on Facebook. You know, when you post your, your stuff, I posted the stuff, you know, about Madison uh, earlier last night, I think it was, you know, and you keep going back, looking how many people liked it, how many people commented, how many people say that I know I'm the only one who does that, but I'm just being vulnerable and transparent with you guys. Um, I know you can't relate. This whole issue of technology, God is calling us to go deeper, to put the phone down. Put the phone down. How often do you, you know, you see this? All the time. People in their phones. People in their gadgets. 
people in their stuff. Have you thought about not checking Facebook for 48 hours? I guarantee you it's still going to be there when you get back. Going deeper would actually, in this case, mean less. In this case, less is more. Because technology, we know, is a phenomenal tool. It's a phenomenal tool, but it can also be a tremendous temptation. Without going into all the things in terms of, you know, immorality with pornography and all that stuff, I'm, I'm just talking about the distraction. Because we can think, oh, I'm doing, I'm doing good. But our relationships are getting shallower and shallower and shallower. We're content to go into this little hole, this little vacuum with our communication device where we're into social media and all these different things as opposed to engaging with people. Do you know that the, the uh, South Korea is, um, technologically speaking, is probably 10 years ahead of the United States. All the cutting-edge technology comes through uh, South Korea, you know, home of Samsung and, and all these different things. So uh, it's amazing. You know, some of the things that they're doing now is the government is actually mandating, mandating digital detox for people. People are literally, they're, they're, they're physically getting ill um, they're because of a lack of connection with people. Just like you'd go to, you know, an alcoholic detox or something like that. Digitally, they're detoxing people because the level of social media, virtual interaction as opposed to real people interaction. So we're 10 years behind them in terms of technology. How far behind them are we in terms of those types of things? Have you ever asked the question whether you're addicted to your technology? Are you addicted to your Facebook? Are you addicted to your likes? And I'm a little bit further ahead of the technology most of the time. You know, my Facebook is news feeds and, and those kinds of things. I use it as a tool that way. But I understand the generation that's come after us is it's a totally different ballgame. Trying to encourage young people to pick up the phone and call one another. Why would I do that? Oh, seriously. When I can text them, when I can message them. Where's the built-in self-restraint of the Holy Spirit that helps us discern how much is too much and where, where are areas that I need to cut back? What did we do before smartphones? What did we do before dumb phones? We got back to them when we got back to them. You know, and we really have this expectation now that when I text somebody, I better hear back from them within five minutes. We've got everybody on demand. I got DirecTV on demand. I've got, you know, it's all on demand. And we want it now. We want it now. When does our soul get to rest? You know how important that is? How important it is. And you know what? Especially for our young kids growing up, they don't even know that their soul isn't getting an opportunity to rest. 
because they're just, they're in it. They're in it. They're in it. It's affecting our friendships. I want to show you something real quick here. Um, Kim, if you could play this uh, clip. Brian Regan uh, is talking about going to the eye doctor. Maybe some of you have seen this before. Go ahead and pause it and uh, take it back so we make sure we've got the, the audio for it. He's funny looking, but it's even funnier what he says. So right now we've just got audio coming out of the projector, which would be challenging for people to hear. I just had my prescription changed after six years. You ever wait that long? Then you get new lenses. You're like, man, I could have been seeing things. How can instantly improve vision not be at the top of your to-do list? I'll see tomorrow. I don't, I don't have time. I don't have time to see clearly. No, I don't. I don't. No, I can't do that. You see what's on my desk? So I go in for the eye exam. I don't know about you, but I concentrate like crazy during the eye exam. You don't want to get a D on that thing. End up with these big, thick Coke bottle lenses. I didn't take it serious. <laughs> Are you still in here? I'm just seeing shadows and shapes. important. They don't call it a quiz. Relationships, uh, marriage. How can a thriving, growing marriage not be at the top of our priority list? As I was thinking, just evaluating my, my own marriage, my own relationship with, with Lisa, how could that not be? We were joking around because we were doing some evaluating ourselves of our own marriage and just, you know, how are we doing? Are, are we thriving or are we just surviving? And as we began talking about it, this came up in our conversation and we're like, how can this not be at the top of our priority list? Why are we letting this go? Why are we letting maybe days, you know, go on and, and there's a distance between us or we're not resolving things and working those things out. Same thing would apply to friendships, knowing we want to go deeper in friendships and relationships. How can those things, learning conflict resolution and those things that come from God in his word, teaching us how to work things out and work things through with one another all the way so that we get that satisfaction of knowing, hey, we're clear and we're moving forward together. As Jen was talking about, we're letting God break those things off of us so that we can really move forward together. Can you guys say amen to that? What are the ingredients for a thriving, growing marriage? Help me out. You don't even have to be married. You know what these things are. Sorry? Communication. Yeah, and there's communication when we're yelling at one another, right? Not that kind of communication, though. 
Yeah, good communication, godly communication. Sorry? Ah, spoken wise words from a young married man. That's exactly right, Pierce. Forgiveness. No, no, no. I mean like really, really forgiving. From the heart. You know, we, we know. And be able to be honest and say, you know what? I, I'm, I forgive you. I really do. But I'm just not clear. Could we, could we go around the horn one more time on this deal? We've got to be able to do that to friendships. Don't lock it out just if you're not married. What else? Be- uh, believing the best. Yeah. Okay, I know how that came through, you know, that went in sideways right now, but I'm going to believe the best. That's not what they meant. Can I ask you about that real quick? You know, because when you said that, that kind of, ah, you know, it kind of hurt. Yes, what else? Trust. Trust goes right along with believing the best. What are some other good ones? Respect. Yep, love and respect. Get the book. It'll help you a lot. Humor. You got to be able to laugh at yourself. Be careful about laughing at one another, but laughing at yourself for sure. Caring. Yep. I love it when the gray hairs start speaking, you know, because it's like, you know what I mean? It's like, really? You've been doing this for 55 years. E.F. Hutton's in the house, you know? Yeah. Caring. Gentleness. Touch touch time time touch huge huge things yeah what grade are we getting right now you know you talked about i don't want to get a bad grade in this thing this eye exam it's not a quiz what grade are we getting every once in a while being able to help one another and it's it's always better when we ask for the evaluation rather than just automatically giving one you know, but it takes humility to say, hey, how am I doing? How am I doing in this area? How can, what, what do you see areas that I need to grow in? So how can growing and thriving in our marriage not be at the top of our to-do list? I think not making excuses. Not making excuses for our sin, for our bad attitudes, for, you know, our funky stuff that we all, that we all have. God's grace is the power and enablement to be and to do all that God has called us to do, all that it's call, called us to, that He's called us to do. Um, are we growing apart? Are we growing closer? Are we jumping into the deep end? Are we settling for the shallows? Again, that technology thing—you know—we can tend to, at the end of the day, you know, just get into bed and you know, just get into our phone and and whatever it is, rather than really connecting with one another. Uh, I want to take us to John chapter 17. John chapter 17, powerful uh, portion of scripture. We touched on it here a couple weeks ago and just want to hit it fresh again. And this is the high priestly prayer. Jesus is praying to his father. We're picking things up right here on the eve of his crucifixion. Uh, he knows what he's going into. He's got a really good idea of what's about to happen. And uh, he's praying um, for his disciples. He's praying for you and I. Okay? That's a really powerful thing to, to grasp a hold of, that he's praying for us when he's praying here. And he says, 
And now I'm coming to you. I've told them many things while I was with them, verse 13, so that they would be filled with my joy. Verse 14, and I've given them your word. And the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not. Okay? So he's saying, I, the world hates them. I don't belong to the world. And we get, this is where we get this whole idea of in the world, but not of the world. But that whole aspect can be kind of misleading. Transitioning now here from relationships, getting the deep end, but going in the deep end with uh, jumping into the deep end in terms of our um, relationship to the world and how we view the world. Do we view the world the same way that God does? John three sixteen. those are incredible lenses to view the world through. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. But whomsoever, whomsoever should believe in him, they will not perish. They will not die forever. They will not die forever. So here we see something that this word in, in the Greek, this world is cosmos. And oftentimes it's, um, it's talking about values and systems. So let's try and read this again through a little bit different lens with a different context here. He's saying, I have given them your word. And the world system hates them because they do not belong to the world system or its values, just as I do not belong to this world system. So Jesus is, we can look at this and say, well, we're to be in the world, but not of the world. And so we just kind of have to hang on and survive until we can get through this. But actually, let's go to verse 15 here, because Jesus is going to give us some clarity and we never read just a verse, do we? No, we always read the context there so we get the full picture. Uh, verse 15, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. Verse 16, they are not part of this world any more than I am. Make them pure. I'm not, they're not part of this world system or a part of its values any more than I am. Make them pure and holy by teaching them your words of truth. Wow, the, the words of God, the word of God has a sanctifying effect, a purifying effect on those who take the word and not only hear it, but apply it to their life. Anyone can sit here in this type of a context and hear someone talk about God's word. However, that's not what brings transformation. It's us taking the word and then applying it to our lives as we go out from here. Jumping into the deep end with one another in our friendships, in our marriages. That takes work. It takes application. That's not the easy part. Simply doing disciplines doesn't make us holy. Whatever makes us more like Jesus and deepens our relationship with him makes us holy. As Christians, we do not share the world's values. For instance, the beginning and end of life. You know what? The world has very different values than God and his people do in valuing the beginning and the end. God has very different views on the whole issue of forming relationships between same-sex and opposite-sex relationships. Very different. As believers... We have those different values. We've been given those things in God's word. We're called to not be conformed to 
this world and the way that it thinks. Let's take a look at chapter 12 of Romans. Paul's writing to the church in Rome. Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God, verse 1. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. You've heard this before. Let it be new and fresh. Let your bodies, that means your whole being, spirit, soul, and body. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will accept. When you think of what he's done for you, is this too much to ask? Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Don't carry its same values. It doesn't mean we reject it or try and get out of it because he says, I didn't, I'm asking you not to send them out of the world, but send them into the world. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will know what God wants you to do and you will know how good and pleasing and perfect His will really is. Let's quickly just look at two ways that we're called to be on mission in the world and value what God values and live life God's way. One of them is salt and one of them is light. Matthew chapter 5. Oh, this is powerful stuff. Verse 13 through 16. You are the salt of the... But what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Can you make it useful again? It'll be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the... Like a city on a mountain. Okay, New Living Translation here. Glowing in the night for all to see. I like the things that we've heard a hundred times and we take it and, and look at it in a different way. You are like a city on a mountain glowing in the night for all to see. Don't hide your light under a basket. Instead, put it on a stand, let it shine for all. In the same way, let your good deeds, see, action, action. Let's put our money where our mouth is. Let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. Salt has two distinct functions. It serves to prevent decay and it adds flavor. It prevents decay and it adds flavor. Few substances work better to prevent decay than salt. There are many healing properties of salt. So how does salt add flavor and prevent decay? Help me out. How does salt add flavor and prevent decay? Sorry? Okay. Prevents decay by drawing the moisture out. Keeps stuff from rotting. It's actually a lot simpler. I'm not actually going for a trick question or anything like that. But um, you're like, I want to get a good grade on this one. The issue is you actually have to mix salt with whatever it is that it's seeking to prevent the decay. It must come into contact with that which is decaying, rotting, and in need of flavor. So who does Jesus say is the salt and the light? Raise your hand if you identify with that statement. Okay, we are the salt and the light, but it's got to come in contact with this world, these value systems that are decaying and rotting. 
See, we're not talking about people. This isn't saying, hey, people, those rotting people, sinners, and all this kind of stuff. No, but those value systems, those things that people have bought into that they need to be regenerated from and transformed from, those are the things that are producing death in people. You want to hear a powerful, salty story? Listen to this. Nearly one year after a man brutally beat and raped a nun in Pennsylvania in a Pennsylvania church parking lot, he's been brought to justice, sentenced to 18 to 37 years. What was the nun's reaction? Pierce, you said it earlier. You get an A. The nun's reaction was forgiveness. Sending another nun to the courtroom to read a statement on her behalf, the 86-year-old nun who was raped told her attacker, you, Andrew, are my brother, and you, like me, are a beloved child of our Heavenly Father God. And our Father asks of His children to love one another and forgive one another, and this I do, Andrew, by God's merciful grace. My profound and permanent prayer for you, Andrew, is that you wholeheartedly take advantage of the educational, uplifting, socially positive opportunities that may be available during your prison time. This kid is 18 years old when he was attacked by this nun. Or when he was attacked. (laughs) Now that's going to make headlines right there. Got all these ninja nuns out there. Watch out, going to your car tonight. (laughs) I mean, she was beaten so badly she couldn't even speak to police. She had to write down, you know, what what it was that happened to the police immediately after the situation happened. Can you believe the salt? You know, you know when you're just pushing it, you're working it, rubbing it into the meat. Here you have this young man whose heart is just rotting, decaying in prison. And here he is receiving the salt that's come through this wonderful, wonderful woman of God. Do you see any decaying marriages that are based upon the world system values? How to relate to one another, friendships that are in need of the flavor of Jesus. Parenting that's in need of God's love. Guys, we've all been there in areas of our own relationships. As long as the salt, you and I, never get out of the salt shaker and engage our world, it's going to continue. We just passed election time. We had just had our general elections. You know, we have opportunities like this to get involved in our communities. How are we getting involved? You know, did, did we just take the ballot and, you know, just throw it in the trash? And it's like, it's not going to make that much difference anyway. Or are we getting involved in exercising our, our responsibility, our duty as citizens to get involved? Not only that, but as Christians to be involved, to salt our government and our, our, our leadership of our cities and our nation with men and women who resemble and reflect more of, maybe not always perfectly, but more of God's values, the things that He values, 
in his system and philosophy of life. It's so, so important. Jesus sent his disciples into the world to come in contact and serve the world so that their lives would serve as a witness of God's saving and transforming love and grace. Let me say something more here about, um, you know, getting involved with neighborhood associations. Do you know your neighbors? Great way to get involved with them is to start a neighborhood association. And it's, it's not based upon you soliciting for, you know, the kingdom of God and, hey, do you know Jesus and all that. It's simple things like serving them in disaster preparedness. What happens when we have an emergency? What's going to happen to your neighborhood? Are you going to be able to be a source or a resource for the people in your neighborhood? Will you know what to do? Earthquakes and whatever things, those things are not things of fear. Joseph faced those things in Egypt in terms of this great famine that was coming. But what did he do? He prepared and he became a resource through this nation to be able to feed many, many And as a result, give glory to God. Volunteer somewhere. Go to a food bank. Lisa and I just went and served at a a food bank the other day. You know, they're not even in our own city. But to be able to just serve and reach out to people and help them, it's, it's really fun. It's great. Taking those opportunities. And they take time. They take energy. Serve your city hall. Make some connections. Make some new friends desperate need for salt and light in these different areas. Matthew 28 and Acts, Acts 1.8 are salt and light in action. Go make disciples, teaching them, saturating them or baptizing them in God, sending them out into all the world, locally and globally, under the power of the Holy Spirit. My buddy right here, uh, Ed, is uh, his first night um, just hanging out with us uh, this evening. But um, he's going to be going to Kenya here in just a few weeks, right after Thanksgiving. That global thing of saying, and he's got back from Mexico City, you know, just a few weeks ago. But he's really taking this serious. He's like, God, I want you to use me in any way that you can. I love that. I love hearing the stories about what God's doing in his life because it provokes me to reach, to touch, and to love the community around us. Would you guys just stand? We... uh, I just want to have the band come up because I want to I want to finish with this song uh, that we finished off with, "Love Like Fire." We're just going to sing that that bridge and and chorus together. And switch mics here. Your love is like fire, burns for all to see. Let your good deeds shine bright that people would be drawn to the Father. Love is like fire that burns for all to see. My only desire to worship at your feet. So let this fire consume my life. Let your love take me deeper. Draw me closer to where you are. All I want is more of you. 
take us deeper. Let your love take me deeper. May we jump in with both feet. Draw me closer to where you are. All I want is more of you. Your love is like fire. Love is like fire that burns for all to see. Only desire, only desire to worship at your feet. So let this fire come Take us where you want to go. Lead us. We follow. We follow. Wherever you go, we're following. We belong to you. Use us. Release your love through us. Amen. Amen. Hey, this is great. I love this. Kicking off this new home together. Hey, we've got some uh, down here. If you walk out and then go down to the right kitchen down there in the fellowship hall. We've got some food and beverages and stuff just to hang out, enjoy being together. Amen. Have a great evening. And enjoy the Seahawks tomorrow at 10 a.m.